we, so we'll be going probably in November, and what we'll do, we'll do some construction and street ministry, and we'll do, you know, services and all that. Yeah, yeah, so we go. And it's a, it's a great missions trip because it's not, you don't have to fly halfway around the world, but you feel like you've really had a missions trip, you know, so that'd be good. Yeah. Have y'all been anywhere? Where have y'all been? Have we all traveled much? Oh, you've been all over the place. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's good. What's the What's your favorite place you've been? Oh yeah. I mean, I was stationed there for three years. Oh wow, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Right, but just outside the country, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as country, uh-huh. um, yeah, we've been probably been Ireland. 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 Mm-hmm. It is. I've been, yeah, I've been, it is green. They call green. it the Emerald Isle for nothing, green. do they? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, green. Yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. Probably the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I told Mike. We're flying in even to Veracruz, which is you know it's a it's a resort kind of. We're not. It's not. It's a me- it's it's re- it's Mexican resort. Like Cancun is American resort. There's a difference. And so when you're pull when you're flying in over Veracruz and it's supposed to be a seaside city. I mean, you can see the difference. There's just poverty everywhere. I mean, the rest, and we come into Houston, you know, and you're like, oh, it just looks, from the air, you can just see the wealth. And that's just the difference. Yeah, it really, really is. So that's what, and the, and the, the Mexican people are so sweet. They're just sweet. Yeah, very sweet. So we've been, been preaching away. Yeah. We had, we would do like a, a session. Well, they work you too. <clears throat> you do a session. Yeah, I do. We'd, and then it'd be like, here's your session. And then they don't even give you potty breaks. And then you do a round table question and answer. Then you're right back to a session. And then, yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's what, and then they do that. They're like, here, eat this food. Okay, yeah. <laughs> What time is it? It's time to go. It's time to go, y'all. Is this good? We on? Glad to be back. Glad everybody's here. Good to see you. Hello, all. Woo! I had no idea what was going on. I walked in and I saw the decorations. I said, oh, no. What's going on? I completely forgot. Michael said, it's the pink thing. Oh, okay, okay, good. I thought, I, I thought, oh, no. What have I forgotten? <clears throat> anyway, it's good to be here this morning, and as we get started, does anybody have any praise reports or prayer requests? We had a great time. I won't tell you too much of it. I, I don't know what Mike's going to tell, so I don't want to mess him up. We had we did we had move of God at we did a marriage for you didn't know we did a marriage conference in Veracruz, Mexico, for Rebecca Hood for her church Amigos de Fe, and so there was fifty couples there, and we were at a a hotel on the sea sounds really glamorous but we literally never left a conference room it was just like and here's this session and the next session and the next session so where's mike at how many sessions did we do mike 
yeah, six or seven in um, two days' time. So it was a lot. It was a lot of talking. And of course, I'm glad this morning not to be translated. <laughs> That's the hardest thing is being translated. I just, I'm just, I'm not a big fan. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I try. I try not. I try to be really. Um, Rebecca, though, she has a doctorate. I figure she can keep up with me, right? You know, come on, Rebecca. She was doing all the translation. I, so we really should feel sorry for her. She translated every single session. Yeah. She was the only translator. So she, I'm sure, was tired. I'm sure she was tired. So as we get started this morning, who has a prayer request? Praise report. Yes, Michael. Well, oh. I hope you understand it, right? <laughs> if I understand, he'll know soon enough, won't he? <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. No, I got it. <laughs> Okay, so you want him here sooner, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. It's a good deal. Uh-huh. Yeah, right there beside you. Absolutely. We'll speak it by faith, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, he needs to get here too much, much cooler here right now. It is, it is. Yes, okay, we've got, we got, yes? Of course, of course. Mm. It's just been, I've been every day just encouraging him, beside him, talking to him, and just, because he almost did it in 2017. Wow. And so it's just been one of those things, the attack is on. Yeah. And if we don't understand that, you better get real because it's coming. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about some of that this morning. Yes. Okay. That's right. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, we got Shelby. What? Hmm. Wow, that's that's crazy. Yes. The Bibles and Burgers, by the way, if you don't know. We had a wonderful turnout at the park in Greenville here. Great. Yes. 
they don't always Right. So they need to be lifted up. We had no idea this young man struggled like yeah, this. You know what I mean? He was a shiny, bright person, and so you don't really realize. Right. That's definitely a spirit of suicide in the land. Let's let's pray. Oh, yes. Let's pray for this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you know every need that is mentioned here today, Lord. God, I pray for healing of those who are who need healing in their family, Lord God. I pray, Father, for this family, these families that have lost people to the senseless act of suicide, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would comfort the families, Lord God. I pray that this would, would be something that would turn them to you, Lord God, for the good of the kingdom, Lord. I, I pray against the spirit of suicide and depression, anxiety, Lord God. I ask, Lord, God, that you would give us, Lord God, a supernatural power to infuse hope in these days of darkness, Lord. Let the church arise and be the light, Lord God. I pray that you would make us so attractive, Lord God, and pour out such supernatural joy, Lord God, that you would release us, Lord God, to the harvest. We thank you, Lord God, for those you are raising up, Lord God, that you're raising up for the harvest time. I pray, God, that you would endure us with power from on high, Lord God. We're tired tired of down low power, Lord, and we ask for power from on high to do the work of ministry, for it's not by might, nor by, nor by, 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 the, by the flesh, Lord God, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. How does that scripture go? By the spirit, yeah. It's like blank. So y'all have to help me fill in any blanks today, okay? I'm running on minimal sleep, and I don't, I don't know if I'm coming or going, but it'll be good. Y'all help me. Y'all are all smarter than me anyway. Y'all just tolerate me. Okay, we're going to turn to 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. 1 Samuel 15. I want to read a little portion of scripture here, and we're going to continue talking about, about obedience and service. And, and there's some things that, that I really want to point out this morning that I believe the Lord is raising up his church in these last days to be consecrated. How many know what consecration means? Consecration means set apart from and set apart. Help me with it, y'all. Yeah, set apart from and set apart to. So that there, there's a bringing out of one realm, a bringing out of one place. What all kinds of things we brought out from? How about a bringing out of one mindset? A bringing out of one lifestyle? A bringing out of one family? A bringing out of conduct, yeah, and a bringing into another realm, another family, another mindset, another governance, another place. That may be an old-fashioned message, but it's one the church needs again. Ecclesiastes 10 and 1, very fun scripture, is dead flies... In the ointment of the apothecary, send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly in a man who is in reputation of wisdom and honor. What did I just say? What did I just say? The whole thing. Yeah, 
And how many of us in that situation, we have the ointment of the apothecary. That's a healing ointment, isn't it? How many of y'all know the church is called to be the healing ointment to the world? Is that right? We shouldn't have people that we're contacted with committing suicide, should we? When depression is the same in the church as it is in the world, we've got, we've got some dead flies in the ointment. You see what I'm talking about? How many of you, if I had, let's put it this way, I have this bottle of water. It's clean, but there's one dead fly in there. You're thirsty. See how it runs it? It has the quenching ability. It has the has a lot of good value to it. And for the most part, it's good, <clears throat> right? But it's just that dead fly in there. It just won't work. And so that's what we find out. The church is the man who's in reputation of wisdom and honor, and we have the healing ointment, but we've allowed too many dead flies. How many dead flies is too many? That's right. Any dead flies is too many, right? So it's a call to a consecrated life. But that's kind of fallen out of vogue in the church, hasn't it? It's kind of fallen out of fashion to say that we need to be consecrated. Because we, we say things like, we act as if that consecration and holiness and sanctification is in conflict with grace. <clears throat> we act as if consecration, sanctification, and holiness is somehow in conflict with grace. Do you see what I'm saying there? See, grace is like unmerited favor. So we have this mentality that if we walk in grace, then we can't have any, we can't have any jurisdiction in our life. We just float around here and do whatever we want to and just go, grace, grace, grace. You see what I'm saying? But I like Mike's definition of grace. What is it? Come on, get off that, get, get off your phone. Okay, as long as, I, okay, as long as you're quoting me, that's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is your definition of grace? Empowered, empowered favor. Isn't that good? So we talk about grace being the favor of God, the unmerited favor of God. But there's also an empowerment to live the life he's called us to. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. And if you go on in that same text of scripture there, it says, what is this, what is this mountain before you, O Zerubbabel? <clears throat> you shall bring down the capstone, the top stone, with shouts of what? Grace, grace unto it. How are you going to see the mountain of sin, the mountain of debt, the mountain of, of poverty, the mountain of sickness, the mountain of dysfunction, the mountain of depression, the mountain of anxiety? How are you going to see that mountain brought down in your life? Shouts of grace grace unto it. What's being said there prophetically 
in the book, is it, Zachari is it Zachariah I'm quoting there? Is that right? In the book of Zechariah is what's being prophetically said is Zechariah, there's coming a day of grace, a day of the spirit empowerment that, as Hebrews said, the prophets only looked toward, but they never actually walked in. Well, I wish God moved like he did in the Old Testament. Why? Why? Hebrews said we have better things. The Bible says that we walk in a day of anointing that Isaiah just prophesied about but didn't actually reach. Zechariah, when he was prophesying shouts of grace, grace unto it, he was talking to our generation. But we've swallowed a bunch of lies of the world saying we can, we can do what we want to and we can craft our own truth until we tell God what truth is. That's just not true. I was praying the other day and I, I was walking through my house and I asked the Lord because I was really trying to understand wrath and love and the balance of it. And, and the Lord told me something amazing. He said, Andrea, I have no contradiction in me. He said, you are human. You are of the world and you are full of contradiction. I have no contradiction in me. In other words, what he told me is my, is my wrath and my love are not separate from one another. They're not in conflict with one another. There's no contradiction there. See, we see as with human minds, we see wrath and love as being yin and yang, the contradiction of one another, the black side and the white side. See, we do that all the time. We say, oh yeah, but now God's a God of, of mercy. And back in the Old Testament, he was a God of wrath. As though somehow he contradicted himself. Do you see how we do that? So we have to reframe our mindset. So if anybody needs to be changed, who is it? That'd be me. See, God was a God of mercy in the Old Testament too. He dealt with the people and gave mercy through something called a covenant. And he allowed for people to come into his presence to have fellowship with him via covenant. And he set the boundaries of the covenant. And then he used that covenant to show this people that God is holy. He's holy in the morning, he's holy at the noontime, and he's holy when the sun goes down. He was holy when he stepped out on nothing and created everything we see. He's holy. He upholds everything by the word of his power. He will never stop being holy. Grace does not change the nature of sin. It changes the nature of man. 
So he took this covenant that was external and it said, God is holy. And what it did, it defined and said, man is not. God is holy. Man is not. And for years, it established the fact that God is holy and man is not. God is perfect and man is flawed. Until we finally came to the place where we said, Oh God, I'm imperfect. I'm unholy. I'm unrighteous. I need someone to intervene on my behalf. And all the Old Testament pointed until the day where Christ would come in and he would broker the greatest peace covenant that has ever been known to man. And he would make peace with my rebel heart and a holy God. Let me ask you this. Did he make, excuse me, did he make God's heart Soften to the rebel. Did he make God's heart rebellious? Did he make God somehow unholy or less holy? Jesus made it. He said, the law says, but I say, he's, Jesus said, we have defined that man is not holy and God is holy. Now I'm about to redefine the territory of interaction with man and God. It's been an external code of handwritten ordinances that have been external. Say external. But I am going to redefine the entire arena of how man operates before God. As Ezekiel said, in those days, he looked. He looked through the fog of, of the future. And he, he could just see. He couldn't see all the valleys. He couldn't, he could just see prophetically from mountaintop to mountaintop. And he stood way back here and he said, I see it by the Spirit of God. He said, I see a day where he will write the law in their heart and on their minds and no one will have to be told what to do because people will do what God says by a Spirit working in them. I think he said that and said, dear God, how can that be when man is unholy and God is holy? And when the day, I wasn't here for Pentecost Sunday, sorry. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were gathered in an upper room, and the one who had been promised, who Jesus said, you better go and wait in Jerusalem because the spirit of grace is coming. 
The spirit of empowerment is coming. The spirit of favor is coming. The spirit of authority is coming. The spirit of dominion is coming. The spirit of might is coming. I'll just define him by one element that best sums it up. He is the spirit of fire. You will see him as fire, and you will hear him as wind. And you will feel him in your life. And we take a a fisherman whose name is Peter who couldn't figure out how to get things right from day to day. He could be operating in a spirit of revelation one minute and being rebuked the next. But he stood up on that day after being endued, clothed with power from on high. And he stood up and he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. Oh, they're drunk, just not like you think. There's something, see, drunkenness, where it says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Right? You know it, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, we've missed. We're so religious and stupid. Not you, I'm just talking about me. We think, well, that's a, that's a do not regarding wine. Well, that's fine. I don't drink. I don't advise it. I don't think it leads to any good. I don't see it ever promoting or helping anybody personally. But you do you, boo-boo. Here is my thing. What that says is this. If you want the 411 on that scripture. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. The word drunk there, if you look it up in the Greek, is controlled. Don't be under the control. What do we call alcohol? Spirits. You look it up. Y'all find it. Don't be controlled with wine because it'll control you just like a spirit. How many of you have ever been drunk? It gets in you and you don't, you act like you wouldn't act. Come on. Are you, would you say you're under its control? Come on. Anything you surrender your control to is other than God is not right. Don't be drunk. Don't be controlled with wine wherein is excess. I, I'm going to say it just like it's coming to me because it's just, I, I'm going to reveal my heart as best I can because y'all know I hold back a lot. <clears throat> I hate, I hate, that's the right word too. That's how much I hate. I hate a drunk. They are fun. I don't like them. As soon as somebody catches a buzz, I'm like, you sit down, you moron. I can't stand it. They're not fun. I don't think it's cute. They're under control. They're out of control. And in my opinion, what I've ever seen of alcohol, when someone's under the control of it and out of the control, then they become dangerous to everybody around them. That's all I've ever seen. That's all I've ever seen in my life. So that's enough on alcohol. Don't be drunk. Don't be controlled by alcohol. Will you act stupid? 
That's the Andrea version. But there is a control, right? But be controlled by the Spirit. You telling me the way has been made for me to be inhabited with holiness. I carry the Holy Spirit of God. Where do I carry him? Right here. John G. Lake operated in a ministry that few have ever moved to in healing and in anointing. The man was so anointed that it said that it was a problem to him sometimes because he couldn't greet a man like other people could. He couldn't shake their hand. Before a meeting, if he stood out and shook the hands of people before the meeting was to start, they would have they would pile up a, a group of bodies in front of the door and block it. And they would have to drag people out of the way. How? How? How you say? He was controlled by a spirit on the inside. Not a human spirit, not a spirit manufactured by Satan's kingdom to look like some pale, dialed down version of God's spirit because I'm here to tell you for everything that God has in the real, Satan has a counterfeit that is just no good. <clears throat> we can be empowered with the very spirit of God. But it takes a level of consecration <clears throat> and abandonment of self that few people are willing to do. To want to. <clears throat> oh, no, no, no. That's good. That's good. Good point. That's a good point. That's a really good point. That's, that's a great. See, we haven't taken that scripture and exegeted it properly, have we? Because you can't, you don't, you don't take one little sip of wine and get under control, do you? Many people, they just have enough of God to touch them to feel a little, woo, ha, ha. But it's not enough of a touch of God to actually come to church. It's not a touch, enough of the touch of God to actually crave his word. It's not enough of the touch of God to actually want to forgive those who've hurt you. It's not enough of the touch of God to actually, when somebody compels you to go one mile, go two, oh, I didn't, you didn't know I was going to be talking about stuff you didn't want to do. You want to be like John G. Lake and lay people out. But see, before you can get to that place in your life, and I'm not talking about a work structure. We've put, we put that aside, right? But I am talking about the fact there is a work to be done. Do y'all know that? The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? 
That's not talking about write the rules your way. This is not Burger King. You can't have it your way. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling means this. Read the rest of it. What's the next verse? According to the power that's worked where? In you. There better be an outworking of an inworking or you hadn't got nothing worked in if there ain't nothing working out. If you is what you is, then you ain't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Get the tape. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. a second aspect of that. That's the payment, and we, we understand the grace aspect of that. But then there's the there's the second mile of it, if you will. We come into that understanding, and the consecration that's required is put in us, and then we have been given the opportunity our little turn our little dollar of nothingness into a life that so magnifies and glorifies the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to do more, to be more, to say more, to have more than we could ever imagine according to the power that's worked within us. We have power from where? On high. It's time for us to get out of the down low power structure, the human engineered power structure of man doing it. I mean, we can fill this church. We can, we can make it look like the world says it's, you know, that it's help. You can go to Dallas and you can go in any church and they're all going to look the same. They're going to have a professional preacher who can give you a word that is clever. It's going to be a multimedia presentation. There will be singers on that platform that will rival and musicians any person who is receiving awards in the secular world. These people will be par excellence. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not going to call on you right now. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But if it doesn't break into the stony places of man's nature, then what's it for? If it can't 
combat a spirit of suicide and turn a person who's living in depression into a person who is filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory, then give me an 80-year-old woman and a tambourine singing how great their art. I say that because we've had it. That was our worship team when we planted a skirt church in Scotland. 80-year-old woman and a tambourine. And you know what happened? When we called people to the front who had never even known anything about a Holy Ghost, we just brought them up just to pray for them. Who wants prayer? Okay. Lord, touch them with your power. Bam. Shonda, no, 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 no. Lord, touch them with your power. Bam. Speaking in tongues. Over and over and over again. I'm at that altar, and there's everybody in the altar speaking in an unknown tongue. And we haven't taught on speaking in tongues. And I said, God, you can't do this. <laughs> they don't know anything about speaking in tongues. Do you know what kind of trouble you're getting us into? And the Lord just laughed at me. And they got up and they said, what did you do to me? What was I doing with my mouth? Well, God just saw fit to fill you with his Holy Spirit today, and you are speaking in an unknown tongue. No. It's culturally very much, even in the church, it's not uncommon to go to a church for a party and there's an open bar. It's just that's the way it is. And so it would have been foolish of us to go in trying to combat that. You see what I'm saying? We just decided, how about we just show them God? We believe if people get a hold of the real, we will have to argue about what is and what isn't. And we sat around a table in there. People, we had one woman, her name was Aileen. She had been in the Scottish church since the time she was little, and she was a sign language interpreter. And she did all, she was there every single service. She got saved our very first outreach. Saved. She had never heard of a salvation experience. The Church of Scotland, established under John Knox, is Presbyterian. I'm sure it had its day, but somewhere along the centuries, it lost its significance and its influence on its society. And I'm telling you, America's going the same way unless some people get up who are so baptized in fire that they don't want nothing but God burning in their life. So, Aileen came in. She got saved. She came to us, she said, in one month's time. She was smart lady, that business owner's. She said, in one month's time, I have learned more about the Bible and about Christianity than I have in my whole life. She said, I didn't know any of this. Why haven't they been teaching me? I suspect they were. Somewhat. 
It was just coming out of a lifeless, unconsecrated, dead, fly-ridden apothecary. And I'm looking into the eyes of apothecaries. Don't be blaming the pulpit for the problems of the pew. We pointed that finger long enough. It's a worn out argument. You are a priest before God, a royal priest. He has provided the sacrifice for you. He has provided enough energy and power and anointing for you to walk in your house and say, devil, get out. That's New Testament anointing. That's the better anointing. It's time for you to stop patty caking with darkness. I wanted to read one scripture here, and I didn't get to it. I've quoted a thousand, I know. But this is the one scripture. Then Samuel rose early. This is 1 Samuel 15 and 12. Hmm. Saul didn't do what was right. Saul was about Saul. Saul was about power. Saul was about position. Saul was about Saul. You can read this entire chapter. Some of you are not kings. You're not anointed a ruler of nothing but your own spirit. But you still have a problem with Saul. I talked to the Mexican people and I told them that they have self-control. It's a fruit of the spirit. And somebody told me, well, but I fell in it every day, so I just keep repenting. And you know what I wanted to say? And you're not repenting. You've created an apology that just, I, I mean, yeah, keep repenting. We have a spirit of power. But there's only one thing. There's only one, 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 one thing that stops the flow of the Spirit in your life. And it's not a devil. It's not a family member. It's not a sickness. It is one thing. It's not darkness. And Samuel rose early in the morning to confront Saul. Ah, oh, I say, God. Give me a Samuel anointing. I think I'm operating in it this morning. I'm confronting Saul. But it was reported to Samuel saying, Saul, look at this, went to Carmel. For some reason, he erected a monument for himself. The spirit of Saul. What have you done for me lately? Do, 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 do. What's in it for me? What do I get out of the thing? I don't pay 
need my tithe? God don't need my money. You're all rich. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? I don't have to obey. God's so cool. I live in adultery. That was Old Testament. I don't have to give God the first of my increase. He don't care about none of that. What do you say he's going to do with the laws, y'all? Erase them? What's he going to do with them? Write them in your hearts for what purpose, Tawana? <laughs> so, so we could have a, a power from on high that would change our nature instead of a power from down low that constantly was in conflict with our nature. He was going to change us into people who didn't have to obey, but people who get to obey. If you don't want to obey, then come get saved. We're calling stuff salvation that's nothing but religious hype. People are trying to come to church to get their paperwork in order. Checking fundamental boxes, hoping one day when they show up, like me with my passport and my COVID test and all this, what do you got? I had so many, don't travel out of the country, y'all. I had to have a swab stuck up my nose and the paperwork, and I thought, dear God, it'll be so easy to get people get a chip in their forehead because nobody, what, do you have the barcode? Where's your book? Not that one. No, that was from Mexico. You need the barcode from here. No, you need this barcode. No, what? No, no, you can't get on this plane. I'm like, oh, God, I don't have COVID. Just scan my forehead. That's how he'll come, y'all. He'll come out of like everything, like you've let everything in your life. It's gonna come like you let every other sin in your life, convenience and comfort. You think the devil's gonna show up with a pitchfork and a horns and a tail? Say, here, worship me. I'm Satan. I want to kill you. No. Even you are smarter than that. Even I, I like to, yeah, I'm. <laughs> Even I am smarter than that. I like to see if I can offend you out of church, I'm going to do it. You know, I mean, you're not, it's not even real. I like to test it. You know what I mean? Did you hear what she said? Yeah. If somebody says that to you, did you hear what she said? Yeah, she said that for you because if it bothered you, you got a problem. You still ain't dead, honey. You look at him and say, have you built a monument to yourself somewhere? You're not filthy. <laughs> oh, don't be pointing fingers, right? We're all in the same suit, aren't we? This one, we're all the same. Different faces and names, but we're all the same. Oh, I got off on that. Lost my way. Lord, help me. Okay, here's what I want to. How much time do I have? Where do I want to close? Oh, I got a little bit of time. That's good. 
Now, obedience. Let me look at my notes because I'm not going to come back to this. So I'll just say this. Let's read another scripture here in Samuel, if you're there. Okay. Let's go 23. It's just, it just, it's just the one that pops us right in the nose. For rebellion is like the sin. It says, mine says divination, but it's witchcraft. Rebellion is, do you think God got cool about rebellion after the New Testament? He didn't, because he can't contradict himself, can he? See, that's what I'm saying. There's no contradiction in God. He, he didn't get, he didn't put, you know, he didn't grow out dreads and put on tie-dye and he's not playing ukulele in Maui going, it's all cool with me now. I just described you the guy I saw in Maui when I was there. <laughs> he wasn't giving nobody any rules and he didn't care how you lived your life. And somehow we have, we've, we've readdressed God in that way. Instead of the God says, instead of the God in the New Testament, New Testament, New Testament being New Testament, that says, don't fear the one who can destroy the body, but fear the one who can destroy the body and the soul in hell. You can destroy your, see, in that category, the one who can destroy the body, that might be Satan, because even there, Paul, a person, a brother in the church who wasn't obedient to the apostolic teaching, wasn't obedient to the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? In you. A law that's worked in you is the law of Christ, by grace, an empowerment in you to work through you. Wouldn't be obedient to the law of Christ. You know, what the, you know what the apostle said? Release that one to Satan for the destruction of his body that his soul might be saved. Why? Because there's times when I saw it in my dad. My dad, when I moved back from Scot Scotland, he said, he kept saying, I got this sticker in my throat. Feels like I got a sticker in my throat. I got a sticker in my throat. Got a sticker in my throat. He started coughing one day and coughed up this whole nasty, I won't tell you. Went to the doctor. The doctor said, I'm sorry, Jack, you've got stage four throat cancer. We're going to have to pull all your teeth, cut your tongue out, because it's down here and it affects your tongue. And we're gonna, you're going to talk with one of these, right? Bad. Throat cancer's bad. My dad wasn't living right. Meth, you know, just and everything that goes, just line up everything that goes with it. And it was in the yes category. But, you know, I came back and I thought, God, his life has been turned over to Satan. He knows better. So he wouldn't line up in the church. He got saved when he was young, younger. But then he, he got hurt and decided that, you know, he, that he started blaming the pulpit for pews problems. And so he left, and he got hooked back on meth, and just, he was worse, left my mother. It was just terrible, ter sad. And he came back in, and I prayed, I said, God, I know he deserves it. That's what I thought. I'm just being honest. I said, but Lord, in your mercy, would you heal him? 
And Mike woke up on a Sunday morning, sat up in the bed and said, God just spoke to me, Andrea. He said he's going to heal Jack when he comes to me this morning and I pray for him. I said, what do you, Sunday morning, I said, what do you mean he's going to come? I said, you supposed to call him? No. He said, I get the impression. That's all I know. God said, I will heal Jack when he comes to you this morning and you pray for him. How's, he, how's this going to happen? He said, Andrew, I don't know, but God's going to do it. My dad hadn't been in church in 20 years. We went to this little church in a town of 100 people called Montague Holiness. You would have to know where it was at. We were just visiting there this morning. We told the pastor we were going to be there. And you would have to know where the church was at. To, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, well, this is where they're always at. It was an odd off day. Church had about 20 people in it. We went in, and we're singing, very traditional church. We're singing out of the hymn book, you know, and next thing I know, we're singing, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. All of a sudden, I hear this familiar voice behind me singing. My dad. How in God's name did he find me here? I'm like, Lord, you're working something out. But the word was, when he comes to you and you pray for him. there's not Mike's not doing anything in the service this morning. We're just on the pew. Imagine if that was you and you're just on the pew. The pastor's playing the drums. He said, Mike, come up and take prayer requests for me this morning. He's behind the pulpit. He's like, if there's anyone who needs him, I mean, you can imagine what he's doing. Boy, he's pull, he's he's fishing. He's pulling it out like he nobody's business. Come down. He's like, you know, R.W. Shambach. My dad never moved. Mike went back to his seat. This woman named Teresa Lemon was scheduled to sing. She came up there. It's a holiness church. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Holiness church. I, ne- I never fit in. So he's standing up there. She said, I don't know what is going on in this room, but God will not let me sing this song until that brother comes stand right here in this front of this altar. Somebody's got to come to him for prayer, and it's got to happen this morning, or I'm not singing. Guess who walks out of finally, finally steps out of the aisle with tears streaming down his face? My dad. And Mike prays for him. And my dad goes to the oncologist and his very first radiation blast on that. That cancer, the doctor said, I've never seen anything like it. It exploded. And I have no idea how that happened. It was the size of a medium-sized pecan, and it would have taken your life. And I would like to tell you, my dad said, oh, glory to God. I hope with all that's in me that he's in heaven right now. But I don't know. We can't preach a gospel 
that says everybody's sanctified by death. Because if it's death that saves you, then Jesus hadn't. There's a life of salvation that is proven by the power of the Holy Ghost in the realm that we call the living of here and now. And it is time for the church to stop building monuments to themselves. And when I say church, I'm not talking about a denomination or a building. I'm talking about every person who's got their hind end planted on a chair in this room or standing up who calls themselves a child of God. It is time for us to so set our face to God like a flint and say, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and do not lead me in a way that is unrighteous. I call Consecrate myself holy, God, to you, and I will have none other but you. God, send your fire. And that's my lesson today. God is going to consecrate his church. He is going to have a bride. The question is not whether or not he's going to have a bride. The only question is, are you going to be that bride? He's not coming back after a whore. That's the Bible. I mean, how many of you men want to be married to one? How many of you women want to be married to a man whore? The Bible calls it harlotries. I'm just shortening a little bit. It's time for us to quit committing fornication with every world's idols. It's time for us to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith God. I'm done. Okay. Now, 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 wait, wait. Hopefully, now this is where, see, I'm done, so now I get unspiritual. Now, I've had no sleep, right, traveling. We'll see how's Mike do. We'll compare, okay? <laughs> see, and I just got back down in pride again. <laughs> oh, if you behold, you know, when you said that, you know, people don't think you're, if you say you're, you're going to be holy, you're going to be It's because people don't think you're holy spirit. I don't know how many times, I'm not, I mean, I've been to, he's the forgotten of the Godhead, isn't he? Yes, he is. And I had to read the Bible to learn that it's going to it's not God asking us to do work. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit working through us. Yeah, that's what the, the people want to give us the power and the ability. I read like the sharp point I hope that you come stay with us this time. I hope I know. And here, I did one Bible study. I spent two hours explaining why you be saved in the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in our salvation. And and I remember reading the first in Timothy that says you're saved by believing the gospel and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, what? Well, what if 